When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today's show is brought to you by Maitland and Co. Solicitors and Notaries. Now, of course, we hope that you never need to avail yourselves of legal services, but unfortunately, life isn't like that. And Maitland and Co. are specialists in criminal defence and road traffic law, and they come highly recommended from heart and hand. They cover all over Scotland and they deal with all types of criminal cases, including road traffic law. They appear in Justice of the Peace, Sheriff and High Courts. They are on call 24-7 because... Because unfortunately you're never going to know when you're going to need a lawyer and they are available 24-7 for police station interviews, prison visits, legal aid is available, competitive rates if applicant is not eligible for legal aid and first interview is free. Maitland and Co. have represented fans charged under the offensive behaviour at football legislation. So, if you ever need legal counsel, the best place to go is Maitland and Co. Get in touch with them at info at maitlandandco.net. That's info at maitland, M-A-I-T-L-A-N-D and co.net. 07714615845. That's info at maitlandandco.net. 07714615845 for all your criminal defence needs. Hello folks, it's David here and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the Rangers podcast. Thank you for joining us and this week we have something a little bit different for you. From time to time we we like to chuck in something uh, a little bit uh, different to our run-of-the-mill shows and this week we have got something absolutely spectacular. I got the opportunity this week to sit down with Rangers 9 in a row legend Ian Ferguson and have a chat about his time at Ibrox and uh, his views on the current side. Now they tell you that you should never meet your hero. Uh, they are wrong because uh, I got to meet one of mine and he was absolutely fantastic. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed uh, recording it. And here's my chat with Ian Ferguson. Hello folks, it's uh, David here and I'm a wee bit starstruck so bear with me. 
<laughs> because I'm sitting here with uh, one of my first Rangers idols and still to this day, uh, one of my favourite Rangers of all time, Mr Ian Ferguson. Hello Ian. Hi David, how are you? I am, uh, like I say, a bit nervous. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, because it's, it's uh, as I say, a guy I watched you know, all through the, the nine in a row and even before that. Um, before we get started today, I'd, you know, I'd obviously had a list of stuff I wanted to chat to you about, but the first thing I, I think we we really should speak about is Ray Wilkins because yeah. I was watching when the news broke yesterday, I went back and I watched some of the footage and this had stuck with me all these years was his last match and the image of you going up as he was going off and giving him you know, a hug and you seemed yeah. quite emotional that day. Yeah, look, it was, uh, it was quite emotional and uh, you know, obviously playing with a guy like Ray Wilkins and, and being a new kid in the block, a young kid coming into Rangers and, and he'd already been here. You know, he was like a father figure to me, like a lot of the other older players were. You know, David Cooper was very similar. Uh, yeah, look, with a heavy heart today, the, the, you know, um, getting that terrible sad news, and my thoughts are with, um, you know, Ray's family and, and Jackie, you know, a, a lovely family, and it was really sad to, to hear that news that Ray had passed away. Well, let's go back to, to the beginning of your career. The first I think everybody remembers was you coming through at St Mirren. And at the time, you were, without a doubt, the hottest young player in British football. I mean, at the time, the papers every day was full of Rangers, obviously, but Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool. What's that like when you're just a kid and you're coming through and every day you pick up the paper and there's huge money moves being mentioned? Yeah, look, at the, obviously it's very flattering, um, you know, that these teams were, were, were interested in you at that time. Uh, but there was only one place I wanted to come, and that was Ibrox. And I made that pretty clear to the St Mirren board that, you know, if Rangers were interested, then you know I wanted to go to them. But for whatever reason, you know, St Mirren um, put a lot of obstacles up my way and wanted me to go down south and, and obviously leave Scottish football. Um, but I knew the minute I knew that Rangers were interested, there was only one place I wanted to come, and that was straight to Ibrox. There's a famous story though that you were in a car, they put you into a car basically and bundled you almost like a kidnap <laughs> victim and go to Manchester, yeah. and uh, you basically had to go, no, oh, this isn't happening. Yeah, they eventually took the bag off my head at Carlisle. <laughs> At Carlisle, I think it was, and I told him to turn the car back. And um, yeah, look, I was uh, my heart wasn't in it. As a footballer, you get a gut feeling for something. And the minute that I heard Rangers were interested, there was only one place I wanted to go. And look, I, w- I was told to go down and, and speak to Manchester United, and we were uh, we started the journey. And I just wasn't getting that feeling. I wasn't getting the the vibe, you know, that I normally get in regards to having a good feeling. And so I decided, you know, look, turn the car around. Um, I'm not going, and it was as simple as that. Uh, so yeah, that was a simple decision. I then came back to um, Glasgow, and then the rest was history. Well, I remember at the time being really excited because obviously we wasn't a lot of TV football in those days, but we'd seen you playing for St Mirren, and then of course the '87 Cup final um, when you'd scored the winner. So when you arrived at Ibrox, unlike a lot of people. You already had that experience of being a winner and, and winning a trophy and actually firing a, a team to a trophy. And in many ways, taking a, a team like St Mirren to a, a Scottish Cup victory is a once-in-a-generation achievement. I mean, even ahead of some of the stuff you can do at a bigger club. Yeah, look, I think it was, um, you know, it wasn't just down to me, you know, we had some great players. Oh, you did there. score the winner. Yeah, I scored the winner. <laughs> we, we had some great pro- players there, you know, Billy Abercrombie, Derek Hamilton, Campbell Money, Paul Lambert, right. David Winnie. Tony Fitzpatrick and the list goes on, Kenny McDowell, you know, we, we actually had a, a really decent team there and, and what I really liked about that team was the, the balance, the balance I thought was, was excellent, you know, with the older experienced players and you had the up and coming younger players coming through with the energy and, and we were sort of like that, you know, we were hot and cold, you know, at times, but 
you know, a little bit inconsistent, but you had the older players you had to guide you through. And it was a tremendous feeling, and it was a great time in my life, you know, where I did get the opportunity to go and play in the Premier League. And uh, as you said, you know, my first year, um, you know, got the opportunity to go and play in a Scottish Cup final. And look, for me, it was probably one of the worst games I think I'd ever played for Sutton. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Bone had me by the throat, and you know, when he was doing his uh, extra time speech, and, and quite rightly so, because um, I, I was absolutely shocking that day. And I got one chance and one chance only, and, and managed to put it into the net. And uh, you know, I, I was delighted with obviously the the extra time winner. Uh, but the game in itself was a was a poor, poor game for me because I. I just wasn't there. I was missing for 90 minutes, and as I said, Jimmy Bowen gave me the kick up the backside that I needed, and um, you know that spun me on. Well, nobody remembers that, but they all remember. <laughs> they all remember what happened the next day. You go to Rangers. You're a Rangers fan. It, back then, Rangers were genuinely the biggest club in Britain and one of the if not the biggest club in the world at the time yeah you just beat me to that there I would say the biggest club in the world well uh, and it may be you know for younger bears that have gone through all this shite the last few years it's a little bit uh, but we genuinely were at that time you know like in the way that these modern clubs come through now that are very glamorous everybody wanted to go to Ibrox what was it like walking in on that first day where there's a room just full of you know world class international it was, players David it was absolutely surreal you know I, I couldn't believe it. I had to pinch myself you know that whole week that whole month that whole year you know I'm going into train with the likes of Terry Butcher uh, England captain uh, Ray Wilkins you know England player Milan Man United Chelsea Ian Durant, you know, up and coming uh, young player, played uh, under 21s with him, Derek Ferguson. You know, the names I'm rhyming off here, you know, they still uh, make me smile and, uh, you know, a lot of happy memories with these guys. But it was fantastic, you know, as I said, it was like a surreal feeling. Um, but you know what, you, it's all right coming through those doors and saying you're a Rangers player. You need to earn the right to be a Rangers player. You need to get on that part, you need to go and train, you need to get in that team. So there was a lot of work still to be done. Um, I loved coming in and I loved talking to these guys, but I knew myself that I had to be focused on uh, what I had to try and achieve to try and stay at Rangers because I don't want to be in that revolving door where you come in for a year and then you're out for, you know, the next year. Um, I wanted to be here for a long time and, and fortunately for me, you know, I, I was here for nearly 11 years, so I had a fantastic time here. Uh, that is something that I was going to mention <coughs> to you but the dressing room did seem to change a lot and guys would come in and if uh, Graham Soonis didn't fancy them it seemed you know three four months and boom you were at the oh. door and somebody else got a shot at it Graham was um, you know Graham if you weren't doing a job for him you know you, you were gone it's as simple as that he was ruthless and um, if you didn't do it his way you were gone and you know, if you the other thing about Graham was Graham let you know that he was the manager, he was the boss, he was the one in charge. It was his way or the highway, and they done it in a fair way. It wasn't like uh, you know coming down on you and you know beating you with a shoe or beating you, hitting something <laughs> off your head. It was done in a way where he, he he would sit everybody down and talk to them and tell them what he wanted. And um, yeah, he made it pretty clear. And you had to go out there and fulfil that. And if you didn't, as you seen, you know there was players here that were probably here for five six months and then out the door. Um, whether it was they couldn't settle with their family lives, where they couldn't settle with Ibrox, where they couldn't play in front of the crowds, or where they couldn't take the pressures. There's a, a lot of things at Ibrox that a lot of people don't realise. Um, this club is about winning, and, and um, you know fans' expectations are very high. And if if you can't do that, and you take a bit of stick, and you can you can either there's two things you can do: you can either crumble, or you can go out there and uh, you can say, well, 
you know what, I'm going to give this a go. And that's the way I, I looked at it. I'm, I'm, didn't matter what I get thrown at me. I was quite strong-minded, and basically whatever came from the terraces, whether people liked me, loved me, hated me, whatever they wanted, I would try and get that, block that out. Uh, because I wanted, I wanted to be there. It took me a long time to get here, and I wasn't going to let it go uh, as easy as that. You know, so I buckled down and I worked hard. And wasn't everybody's favourite, but you know, I gave 100% every time. Well, the the game. I was reading back some old uh, press reports in preparation for this, and the game where one of the papers used the phrase that you arrived as a Rangers midfielder was the. Uh, League Cup final against Aberdeen series of classics that Rangers had and you scored an extraordinary goal in that match in the day too I slipped on my backside <laughs> well, you made it look good on the way down I don't make anything look good I slipped oh, that, no, I watched the goal this morning that's an absolute no, classic was, uh, there, was a, there was actually a, there was a couple of incidents here that if you actually watch the video and you see it you know Richard Goff actually does brilliant for that goal. He actually nudges, I think it's Alec McLeish out of the way. Kevin Drinkle does a miss kick. He swings his leg in the air and misses that, and it just lands perfect for me where the ball's just, you know, around about waist height, and I just throw my body at it and, you know, try the scissor kick, and, and I was well, fortunate it went in, yeah. Oh, it was an absolute cracker. And they were some games, the, the, those League Cup finals against Aberdeen. It just yeah. seemed every year that the, the, these epic uh, clashes at, at the old Hamden. And that's exactly what it was. You know, the, I remember going and I was standing on the terrace and watching the one before. Right. And then, as you say, the, it, it's surreal that the following year you're actually playing on it and score a goal. So, yeah, it just shows you how quickly life can change. And, and you know, you, you're going and watching your, your boyhood heroes to actually being on the park. It was an amazing feeling. So, Graham Soonis leaves. Um, you're, you're cemented in the team at that point. Walter takes over. What was the feeling among the squad about that? Was it something you were happy with, or were you maybe expecting him to go down south with Sunnis? Yeah, look, I think um, uh, we were all expecting. I thought Walter w- was going to be leaving with um, uh, with Graham. You know, Graham. Look, if I'm being honest, I always knew that Liverpool was Graham's first love. Um, just the way Rangers was my first love. So if I get the opportunity to to go to Rangers when I was from St Mirren. I wanted that to happen, and Graham was probably the same in his management career, where you know he's at Rangers and Liverpool came in from, which is his first love. He wanted to go there, but um, yeah, look, we, I, I, myself personally, I thought Walter would would have went with um, Graham at that time, and uh, yeah, we didn't know what was happening because it was a few days later. But Walter stayed and took the training as always, and we were always trying to uh, get some information from the gaffer. But the gaffer, you know, he was uh, he kept everything close to his chest, wasn't he, giving us any information. And then one day it was in the papers that uh, you know he was taking the job, and then we asked him, and yeah, he took the job. So we were all we were all delighted with that because the gaffer did take the training um, under Graham uh, as well. That. Um, you know, he done a lot of the shape, a lot of the structure, and a lot of the roles and responsibilities, uh, all that stuff for players and so on. So it was great that nothing was going to change, if that makes sense, and they were just going to carry on uh, the way we did carry on winning, I think it was four championships at that time. Uh, so, yeah, we were, we were delighted that uh, the gaffer stayed. That Aberdeen game at the end of that season, when it was the walking wounded going into that match, Ibrox was as tense as... Any game, and I don't care what anybody's saying out there, you know, European matches, big old for this to me, I remember just it was like everybody was scared to take a breath. And um, what do you remember about that day? It was an extraordinary occasion, it was a fantastic occasion. And um, I just remember the build up to, to the whole season, uh, sorry, the last game of the season, and um, 
to me it was, it was, and I don't know what it was, but I always knew we were going to win, and I don't know why. And I said it from day one, well, that Monday, and I said to the boys, I don't know what it is, I just get this feeling, you know, we're, we're, we're going to win this game. And, um, you know, as I always do, you know, every time we, we put that blue jersey on, that's what I feel, you know, regardless who we're playing, whether it's Real Madrid or whether it's Barcelona or whether it's Juventus, we want to win that game and, and we get it, for whatever reason, had a good feeling. Uh, the press was great, it was all positive, it was all good. Um, but as you said, getting into that game, uh, you know, or, sorry, through that game, it was like the walking wounded, you know, it was like the zombie flesh eaters were all getting moved all over the place. Um, I think myself uh, was the only player I don't think get moved. I think Mark Hately got moved from striker to centre back. I think Tom Cowan broke his leg. Um, I think there was a few other injuries. I think Mo Johnson ended up playing in midfield. I think Terry Hullock went to fullback or something like that. But it was it was just an amount of players that get moved and. Um, to, to come through that and get the last game of the season and win the title was it was an amazing an amazing feat. Well, we were talking about this on a show the other day, and it's it wasn't on the telly. I mean, how extraordinary is that? Now, can you imagine a game like that now, <laughs> not being worldwide? I mean, but that, was, that that left for the drama. That was great. You had to Actually, be there. You know, you had to be there. You had to get in, and unfortunately, not everybody got in, and, and not everybody seen it on TV. You obviously, seen it on TV later on that night. And many um, times after. <laughs> but it was. Uh, it was a day will we'll, we'll live with me for the rest of my life because it's, it's one of these those moments where you know it's the last game of the season, um, you're going for the title, you're at home, and the atmosphere was absolutely electric. It was amazing coming out to do your warm up, and I think that even cemented it even more for me was the the confidence within the fans. Yeah. You felt the confidence when you ran out of that park, the applause that the team got going out to do the warm up, and that in itself you know helps players, you know the, the backing of the fans and and. I, I, for start to finish for the 90 minutes, the Bears were, were absolutely going crazy, which was great. Uh, was that the closest, in your opinion, that we maybe came in that run to maybe not getting the nine? Bill? Was that the, the point where you look back and you think, oh, that was touch and go that Yeah, day? I think that was pivotal. I think that one for me was uh, one of the, the turning points of there's a belief here that we can go on. Um, but I, again, I had that belief every time, uh, as I said, I put that jersey on. But the, the quality that we had, the players that we had, you know, there's times you, you went out in that park and you knew you were going to win. Mm. You just knew you were going to win. You know, as I've said it before, you've got you had guys like McCoy, you had guys like Hatley scoring goals for fun, you had guys like Loudrop winning games as well, creating goals. Um, you just knew you were going to win. Or I, I don't know what it was, it would, uh, and I don't want to sound too cocky or, or too right. blase. You've got 10 uh, championship medals, you can sound cocky. <laughs> but I don't want to sound that way, I don't want to sound. I know it's, it's done, and it's, it's earned. <laughs> but, you, but you actually felt like going out in a park. You know, if, if any team was to score two goals against you, you're going to score three. Yeah. And that's what I felt with that team and that bunch of boys, you know, there was, there was just a, a joy to work with and uh, a joy to play, you know, in the same team with. And um, I think we all had that mentality that we, we wanted to win. And that goes a long, long way in your team. 91 to 93, a double and a treble, huge unbeaten run, Europe. Yeah. That was probably my favourite Rangers team. Yeah. Where would you rank it in terms of the Rangers teams you played in? Because you played in some belters. Uh, I, would, I would agree with you. I'd say 92-93 um, was probably the best team. And we went for back-to-back trebles in 93-94 as well. And we just missed, missed out at the last hurdle. Yeah, I'll blame Alan Maxwell. I suppose you won't, but I will. I'll blame Alan Maxwell <laughs> as well. <laughs> no, all kidding aside. Look, um, yeah, look, at, but for me, yeah, that rates up there. For me, that was a team, and um, you know, I remember Jerry McNee and, and guys on the, you know on the shows saying that me and Stuart McCall will never, 
you know, we'll never work in the midfield. But you know what? It was it was some of the best football we played, and oh. we get some of the the best run I think we'd had. For, I think it was was it 45 games 44, undefeated, yeah. uh, 44, and then we went and uh, unbeaten in Europe as well, which was great. Uh, so for me, it was uh, you know that was probably one of my best times uh, with the club or, or best teams um, to be involved with at that time. And another piece of Rangers history for you: you secure our first ever uh, Champions League away win. All right. Uh-huh. Oh, there you that go. Was you that did that. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that's no easy. It took Celtic 34 goals to do that. 34. So you did it uh, on the, in the first season. So yeah, we we uh, there was a there was a thing somebody actually said to me as well the other day there and. Uh, when we, got, when we went to Ibrox, I don't think we'd won there for 10 years. And I think it was uh, my first game at, at Parkhead as well, where we actually, uh, I think we beat them 2-1 that day. And again, uh, with the quality and players that we had, and I never thought anything of that, yeah. the quality and players that we had, I was always, go, I was always confident going there and beating them. I had a terrible record before that. Or through the 80s, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, I knew as a fan, but uh-huh. it's something that I didn't actually uh, register or pick up. And you know, as a young boy, that you know, we hadn't won there for a bit. I think it was Alex Miller was the last that's time right, we we scored. And um, when we went there, and again, it, it breeded confidence for every time we went to Parkhead. And um, you know, and I'm sure when you look back, we actually won a lot more games than what we lost there. Oh, aye. I mean, over all, that all period. through the 90s, you yeah. know, the Rangers going to Parkhead. I mean, I remember um, there was a toss of the coin and the game ended up at Parkhead and Walter Beeman. Yeah. And it was kind of like, well, he's quite happy with that. Absolutely. Then, you know, you know we didn't fear anybody. No, and and no matter you. who we played, it was a team that went out there and had belief. Uh, had a desire, had a hunger, and had a will to win. And not every single player was like that. Mm. Um, you know, they all had that inner strength to, to, to do well. And I always remember Donald Finlay saying it's a team that never knows when they're beaten. The, the Stuart McCall thing you mentioned, because I remember it was quite a, a prevalent talking point at the time. Did that annoy you, considering you know, you're winning all these games and winning all these trophies? Not at all. Um, I, I, and the last person I'm going to listen to is Jerry McNeil. That's so, a very good point. You know, at the end of the day, uh, it's people's comments and what people say. Yes, you, you do get little snippets and things like that. But I can tell you there was no more passionate players uh, that wanted to do uh, well for Rangers at that time as myself and McCall. And, um, you know, they, they said we were similar players and maybe so, but, you know, it was, it was one of our most successful periods. Um, and it was, a, again, an absolute pleasure to play beside Stuart in, in, in those games. I wanted to talk to you about that, about because when you arrive, attacking midfielder, box-to-box player, over the years your game matures and develops, and I was wondering if it was something that maybe just happened and evolved, or Walter takes you aside and says, look, I know this is what you do, but I need you, I know you can also do this, and I need this in the team. Or was it a mixture of... No, it just happened, you know, obviously when we, we signed Gazer and um, well, we, we Durante was in there at the beginning, we Durante was more an, an attacking player, um, you know, he'd, he'd be gliding in here and behind defenders and midfielders and he was great, I was sort of more that sitting one, mm. or if I could get forward Durante would sort of spell it. And then when when Gazer obviously came, um, Walter didn't, didn't say anything to me in regards to um, I want you holding, I want you sitting. He just wanted he wanted Gascoigne being the more forward player, so I just took it automatically that I would be the holding one, uh, and then vice versa. And if I was forward, Gazer would then just sit. But it was more Gazer, uh, probably say for the ninety percent of the time, <laughs> would be going forward. Um, we would just follow the ball. Oh, look, you're not going to stop him, is no, it? No, you're not going to stop him. Look, Gascoigne was was a was a genius, you know, and I, and I put Ian Durant up there as well in the same bracket, you know. I think unless uh, until we Durant he got his, his his a bad injury, you know, I think Ian Durant would have uh, he would have been well up there, and if could have even surpassed 
Paul Gascoigne. You know, that's how highly I rate him. I, th- I think he was phenomenal uh, at that time. Unfortunately, that horrendous injury, um, you know, took the wee man out for two and a half years. But to, to you know, for the wee man to come back after two and a half years and um, done what he'd done uh, was, you know, when you look at his record, he scored in Europe, won championships, won cups, and he was still obviously in, in run about the team and, and getting first team starts. That says a lot for him, and I've got nothing but admiration for the wee man. What, what he'd done and what he came through, I've got no idea, I can't even comprehend. Nearly three um, years. But nearly three years he was out, and for him to come back and, and do what he did, uh, you know, it speaks volumes in a man. And he's a legend at Kilmarnock, just an aside, even after he leaves at Ibrox, he goes to Kilmarnock and they still regard him as one of the best players they've ever had. I don't really care about Kilmarnock, I'm going to to take a a Rangers legend, but you can keep my bit in. Don't worry, I'll come, no cutting anything. Um, Moving then into the the middle of the 90s, you've got Brian Loudrop, you've got Paul Gascoigne. I mean... Jesus Christ, that's some amount of time. Two of the best players I've ever played in this country. Absolutely. Uh, what was it? What, what were they like at training? I mean, what, did you uh, kind of cement them for taking the piss on occasion? Oh, mate, seriously, they, they, they were brilliant. You know, they were they were two two total opposite ends of the scale. You know, one was a fruit loop, and the other one was a nice, quiet gentleman. Wouldn't do anything to annoy anybody. Um, and then you've got guys on the other hand who would be cutting your socks, <laughs> stealing your shoes, putting your keys in somebody else's pocket, uh, taking cash out your wallet. Not that, <laughs> not, that I, not that I carry that much cash anyway. But he was brilliant. Look, he was absolutely fantastic. He was he's up there with McCoy's and the Giants, the pranksters in the in the dressing room, and, and everybody knew what they liked they were. So whenever they were about, or whenever you seen them, you always made sure. You kept an eye on them because yeah. they were always up to mischief. And um, but you look, you know, that was part of the the upbringing with these guys. It was great. They're always up to something. They would never just sit. There was let's put it this way. There was never a dull day in the Ibrox dressing room. Eight or nine, eight and nine, sorry, come along, and I just remember this whole city being absolutely mental for two years. Right up to seven, it was kind of talked about, <coughs> but. Eight, nine, that was when it really started to kick in. Yeah. Uh, and it just, looking back, it just felt like bedlam. It was every day. What's it like living with that pressure? Because, I mean, if I could feel it as a fan, Jesus, yeah. you walking through the city, you must have got it all the time. Well, I, I definitely tried to, um, you know, cut off from all that. I right. didn't look at the press. I didn't look, didn't read the papers that much. I didn't, um, you know, when it came on TV, I'd turn it over. Because you've got to try and live with that. And there is a lot of pressures playing with Rangers within <laughs> itself without trying to think two years ahead. Um, you know, it was always one game at a time for me, and it sounds the old cliche and boring, but that's the way it was. Uh, one game at a time, uh, one step forward, let's go to the next game, let's go to the next game. And that's the way I always looked at things. Because if you start looking ahead and you start get, putting pressures on yourself, you know, a lot of people could crumble um, and no actually deal with that pressure. Uh, so I, I, sent, I tended to take one game at a time. Yeah, well, we've seen it. We'll talk about that, unfortunately, at the end, about players maybe not being able to handle the pressure of playing at Ibrox. But um, it, moving then into the 9 row season, all the pressure... Every game felt epic. I, mean, yeah. I remember and it was back in the days when the two teams would play at the same time. I remember being at games either here or away, and somebody would have the the wee tranny radio up yeah. to the young they, they felt <laughs> they're landing, you know. Um, that season just ebbed and flowed, and some of the some of the old fun games that year were astonishing yeah, and, things. And look, they're, they're the games that win you championships, you know, the old firm games, and uh, you know it's not just them. You've got to go in. If I'm being honest, every single team 
and we've done it year in and year out for a long, long time. Every single team is trying to knock you off your perch, mm -hmm. and we've done it for nine years, where people, uh, you know, it's like a cup final for them. Right. You know, and I've done it with St Mirren, and I've done it with, with um, Dunfermline. Whenever you play the old firm, they raise their game. Yeah. Um, and they raise the game for a reason, because that's the best team. Right. Uh, you know, Rangers uh, were, were dominant at that time. Rangers are the best team. You want to go out there and, and play well. And I, and I seen that. I can actually see the build up, and I could see the, I could see other people and how they changed through that week from training um, <laughs> when they obviously played uh, against Rangers. So yeah, look, I've, I, and, and I probably witnessed that as a player. Every single team raises their game against us, and it's no secret. You know, everybody knows that. Mm. So, but what we have got to find is the players that will combat that, and the players that will make sure that they go out there and say, right, okay, this guy's up for the game today. I've got to make sure I'm on top of him today. I've got to make sure I'm above him today. I've got to give him no shots going to go. I've got to make sure he doesn't run by me. I've got to make sure he doesn't beat me in the box. I've got to make sure he doesn't score a goal. So, there's a lot of wee things that you you take out and you've you've got in your armour that you go out there as a player that you've got to try and tick all the boxes to make sure that you're the opposition doesn't score goals. Yeah. And to kind of take that on, one of the, the, the phrases that always gets mentioned about that team, and I think it's one of the, re the reasons that Rangers fans love that team so much, is just what you're saying there. If another team wanted to have a battle, you guys would have a battle. If they wanted to play football, you guys would play football. And you made sure you were better at anything they wanted to do. And so often you would see teams coming to Ibrox and or, or especially away from home, you know, trying to get a scrap going. And yeah. you guys were like, right, fair enough, okay. We can yeah, deal we, with we, this. You, you, I, I, <laughs> you're, you're spot on in what you say. Yeah, at the end of the day we had the boys that um, you know would stand up for themselves. You had Richard Goff, more captain, um, who led by example, you had John Brown, you know, he's I called him Hannibal Lecter when I used to room beside him. You know, I, I room beside him. I was in beside him for seven years, and I was scared to even lift the remote control. Um, you know, you had him, and you know that would run through a brick wall for you. You had Stuart McCall that could take care of himself. Uh, so you had players within. You had McCoy that could take care of himself. You know, th people think Coy's is just a goal scorer, but I tell you, Coy's is a tough boy. He's a tough, tough boy, and um, you know he could take care of himself as well. You had Big Hatley, you know, who was the other one up there that would, uh, you know. Um, you, you could guarantee that there'd be some uh, centre backs going to the dentist, you know, further down the line. So yeah, that was. Uh, so we we had a, we had a, if you wanted to mix it, yeah, we yeah. were there. There was no doubt about that. We oh, were there. It was great because Rangers fans love that, right? We're not. We, we like good football, right? Don't get me wrong. But because of what you said there about teams will always raise their game and they'll try and back, we love a team that go out and go. No, we won't be bullied. And I think that's maybe one of the things that's lacking at the moment is that there's a perception, and maybe I'm being unfair here. You're you're a you're a, a guy who's worked in football your whole life. There's a perception that this team is a little bit soft when it comes to that type of challenge when a team gets in their faces and say, right, you're, what are you going to do about it, that we don't always rise to that? I don't think that's any secret. I think that's obviously been evident for the games I've watched and uh, the games I'm, you know, uh, other fans that I speak to and my, my mates and things like that. I think we are missing that physicality and I think it's something that's been missing for a long time. You know, we are getting teams now coming to Ibrox and I think we've played seven home no sorry, lost nine them. home games and lost seven. Yeah. You know, Ibrox should be a fortress and it always was a fortress when, when we were here and I know I'm going back a long time and I don't like comparing errors to error, you know, at the end of the day we had we had a far better quality in my opinion. We had a far better quality of player don't think that's arguable. Um, you know than what's going about the now. Yeah. But um, I do think, you know, they, they do play some good football. I do think um, you know we are missing that physicality, and, and that, that is part of the game. Whether people like it, or they don't like it. It is part, of, it is part and parcel of the game. You know, we've got players 
uh, sorry from opposition coming and you know throwing elbows in or knocking us about and and we've got players that are you know make a challenge and then they're picking somebody up you know under our day you you wouldn't be picking them up let me let me make that pretty clear you'd be standing <laughs> over them and maybe try to stand on them but you wouldn't be um, picking them up and saying oh sorry mate you know we're, we're too nice and uh, we've got to get away from that and get back to the ruthlessness that you know what, what, to get to the top and, and, and win things you've got to have that you know that's part of the balance I use this word balance all the time and I just don't think the balance is right at the moment um, with the players that we've got yeah, unfortunately, you're 100 percent correct. Um, to, to happier, to happier times. Then um, we do a, a show on our uh, on our network called uh, the Advocate Years, and we go back and we actually look at everything literally game by game, month to month. And you you kind of things that have maybe passed into the mess of time, you get to rediscover. One of which was just how important a role you play in that season. And the amount of games where we need that extra element and you get put in, the amount of games where you're on the bench and it needs altered, be it the tempo or it needs shut down or a team is starting to get the upper hand and he turns to you all the time. Mm. Um, first of all, at the start of that season, the clear out, the massive clear out happens and it was, it was huge. Yeah. Um, were you expecting to go, were you expecting to stay? What were your gut feeling? I was hoping more on um, expecting to stay because nobody had uh, said anything to me in regards to you're moving on or you know we don't want you or we want you to stay. So I, I thought I'm, I'm under contract. You know, silence is golden. Maybe <laughs> that's the way I was looking at it, uh, hoping that I could uh, get an opportunity to um, obviously uh, you know impress Mr. Advocate. So yeah, it was um, something that. I was under contract and nobody had came to me in regards to whether they wanted to leave or stay. So I took it that was I was staying, and uh, yeah, that that's what happened. He seemed to like you as a player, and he seemed to have a bit more respect for you than some of the other players I've spoken to, uh, who were there under him, who uh, maybe don't tell that same story. Yeah, I was probably the only one that would argue with him uh, at times. You know, I would I would say my piece, and it wasn't through to being making trouble or it wasn't through it being a troublemaker. It was through um, things that uh, I seen that were di- different and from years gone by. But it's a new management coming in, new system coming in, new players coming in. So then I had to sort of bite my tongue a little bit. Um, but yeah, look, um, I enjoyed it under him. I, I thought. Uh, you know, he, he came in and, and picked some fantastic players, you know, like Van Bronckhurst, um, you know, Kinchelskis, uh, Newman, uh, Moles, and, you know, it continues. And, and But he also had a good nucleus, a player that was left in Big Amoruso, Barry Ferguson, and a few other boys, Johansson and all these boys, they were already there uh, in place as well. So he had to, again, I use this word balance, he had to get the balance right um, in regards to getting the team right, and I thought he did that. Uh, fantastic! I think he got, we got the treble, the, you know, in Absolutely his first yeah. year, yeah, which was great. So yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. It was an exciting time. It was a new challenge for me. Um, yes, I, I probably would like to have played a bit more uh, under Mr. Advocate, but unfortunately, you know, as you said, I was sitting on the bench quite a bit, or I was sitting in the stands watching the games. But the games I did come on, he would, he would give you a, a role that games. he wanted. Yeah, he would give you a role that yeah. he wanted. To, just that you, you mentioned there, somebody, the team would be getting the upper hand, try and close this down, get in the face, or it'd be you need to go in and watch this player. This player's causing us problems, or it could be that he wanted me to push forward and things mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, there was always a role within uh, what he wanted us to do. But uh, as I said, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Again, it was something for me that was uh, very special. Um, I was actually out for um, five months under under Dick, and um, 
then all of a sudden, you know, I, I get back in training. I think it was a month to go before the, the the final, the Scottish Cup final. Or it might have been three weeks or so. But anyway, I started I started training, and um, he, he had me in the first team training with the boys, and I was working really hard just to try and get back, trying to get my fitness back. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're playing Celtic at, at the Hamden, and we go away for a few days and he asked me to come with the team and I said yeah I'd, I'd love to go with the team you know just make me feel part of that was was fantastic and I, and I respect and I love that the fact that he actually brought me uh, you know back into the fold and but it wasn't uh, in no way did, and, I, and please believe me when I say this there was no way I ever thought I'd actually have been in his plans I thought I was just going to do to train and play uh, get my fitness going because I'd been out for so long and then the day before um, you know, he gets us all together and he names his team. And he says, I, I won't name the, the subs just now. And I'm thinking, it's a bit strange. Why, why, wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you name the subs? So anyway, um, they named the team. The team was all right. They all knew they were playing. And I think there was only about three or four years that they were left. Uh, I, thought, I think there was, sorry, I think there was five years left. And I, at that time, I think there was only three, you could only put three subs oh, on the so, bench. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm out, so there's four, there's, there's, there's a permutation there that there's four players, only three's going to get in. So he then brings us back in again, we go our walk in the morning, the, the cup final, brings us back in again, and then he basically uh, sat the team down, went through his plans and preparation, uh, what he wanted in shape and so on. And then all of a sudden, um, he said, oh, the substitutions, and he went, blah, 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 and Ferguson. And I went, and I'm looking, and I'm... I'm, I don't mean it. I thought I was hearing things. I'm like, <laughs> and I turned around, and it's a shame because Jonathan Johansson was the one that actually missed out. And I turned around to Jonathan Johansson and said, Did he say my name there? And he went, Yeah. He just, and Jonathan just stared right through me. And I'm like, Oh my God. But I didn't pick up on that Jonathan was the one that dropped out until later on because I wasn't, I wasn't fully compass mentis. I wasn't taking <laughs> in board what was actually happening because there was no way I thought that this was actually going to happen. I was going to be on the sub. But, you know, I got that opportunity. Mm. And it was, uh, as I said, it was an amazing feeling because it got me an opportunity to win another treble. Right. And uh, something that I never thought was going to be possible because I'd been out for five months, only trained for three weeks, and now I'm sitting on the bench against Celtic and in, in a Scottish Cup. I got 25 minutes, yeah. I think I got at the end. Again, another, the game was starting to turn. And yeah. he turns to you and goes, got to go and shut that down for yeah. me. Yeah, and it was great, you know, getting that opportunity going there for um, 25 minutes uh, was was an amazing feeling because, as I said, I, I'd been out for so long. Um, yeah, and, and to go and win your your second treble, uh, you know, was it was special for me uh, under Dick at that time. So yeah, that was something that that you know will always stick in my mind and be thankful for getting that opportunity. Well, it also led to one of the most famous quotes in Rangers history when you were asked after the game if you would be going out for a, a swally. <laughs> and uh, you, you said no, that, that you, you didn't drink. You only drank when Rangers won a trophy. Yeah. And people would be thinking you were an alcoholic. Yeah, that's what right. Line that is. That yeah, that was... Um, echoed down through history. That was probably a wee bit of tongue-in-cheek. And, um, yeah, look, it was something... Chick Young was in... He was, and asking me about going for a drink in that time, and I didn't. I didn't really drink at that time. I, I was. I was one of teetotal. I was uh, one of these guys that was um, dedicated and professional. And that was maybe a reason you lasted. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, I was always focused on what I wanted and, and what I had to try and do. So, uh, and I just let my hair down. You know, in that interview, and I just said, "Yeah," he said, 
basically you're going for a drink tonight and I said well I don't normally drink chick but you know tonight I'm actually going to go and have a good drink and you know uh, some people actually might actually think I'm an alcoholic you know with, with all the drinks because I only, I only drink when we win a cup final and that's when I came out with that quote so yeah it was and, and I have seen a <laughs> I have seen a few quotes uh, where people in their bedrooms with this quote written up on their walls. So, there's, yeah. there's a debate about that you see quite often at away games, <laughs> and it's like you holding the trophy and the quote is mixed up. Oh, is that right? I've never seen no, that one. Keep, well, that's keep your that's eyes fantastic. For that. I'll, I'll see if I can find. If you're the oh, guy who has good. that, if you can just you know get in touch and we'll fly to the next game so that, <laughs> so that you can see it. So a great time, wonderful Rangers career. You're a Rangers fan. You've been since you were a, a kid watching what's happened this decade to is you must have just gone through exactly the same as the rest of did. Oh, it's been horrendous. You know, the, the turmoil that the club has been through, the ups and downs and, um, you know, the, the owners and, well, if you want to call them owners, the, these people that come in and, uh, you know, want to take charge of Ibrox and then do it the way that they have has been nothing short of disgraceful. But the fans and um, ex-players and, um, you know, have basically risen to that and uh, if it wasn't for them I don't know if we would have a Rangers at the moment because you know the, uh, the way what the clubs went through over the last few years has just been nothing short of horrendous and um, to see that from afar is absolutely heartbreaking and I probably didn't get a lot of the, the information of what was actually going on but you do get little snippets and you do find out things from phone calls and things like that but for me it was absolutely horrendous and um, yeah, look, we're, we're now moving in better times. Um, I do think we've um, we've got the board. Uh, you know, obviously we we do need more investment. Um, you know, and and to, to sort the manager's role out. You know, that needs to be done sooner rather than later. Let us know and and be a wee bit more transparent with us in regards to what direction the club's going. Because at the moment we we don't know if Mr Murray's going to be there, he's not going to be there. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, we'd like to know, me anyway as a fan, we'd like to know what the what the plan is um, and, and give us some information in regards to, um, you know, stopping this 10 in a row. From, uh, I'm not going to ask you to name names or put you in that position, but whoever the next Rangers manager is, and I'm not saying it, it will be Graham or it won't be, I'm just saying whoever it is, what qualities do they need to bring they need to bring, look, I, I would like them to bring, um, you know, somebody that knows the club, somebody that knows what Scottish football is all about, uh, somebody that knows uh, what, what this club strives for, somebody that's going to be in charge and um, doesn't accept second best, somebody that's uh, going to pick the right players um, and know what it means to be a Ranger, know what it means to come here and um, play for this club, somebody that, uh, and pick players that are, you know, do your homework on the players and, and you know, make sure that we bring the right type in when I say that I mean the right type of player that's going to run through a brick wall uh, for this club and you know when the chips are down roll the sleeves up I don't see that at the moment I don't see that unfortunately at the moment and um, that's no saying that you know Mr Murty's brought in some good players um, in regards to younger talent but this younger talent needs to be harnessed in the right way and um, and let them know that playing for this club and, and how important it is to play for this club because we don't accept second best and that's why you know the fans and, and I can see a, a lot of arguments going on at the moment and people are saying yeah we're not that team but you know what yeah we, we, we're we are that team and we're always going to be that team you know we just need to get the right players in here that um, are going to take the club forward and, and give us a bit of hope and, and give us uh, you know get back to winning ways because it's been a long time and uh, we do need 
a manager here that's going to drag the, the club forwards and no one step forward and three steps back. Right, well after that I'm, I'm going to go out and slide tackle the first person I see wearing a green jacket. <laughs> but uh, there's one last thing I want to ask you about. Um, during the 90s, yeah. uh, it was generally considered sensible not, not to kind of engage yourself uh, like a lot of that Rangers team, but particularly yourself in um, a physical altercation. And one guy infamously did, um, uh, a, a mad Italian who only lasted one season in here and won nothing. But I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, did he ever show up? No, look, what happened was it was, it was something that, uh, you know, happens in the football park. He got involved in something that um, he shouldn't have got involved in. Again, typical um, loudmouth and, and getting involved in things that where it, it then made it worse than what it actually was. Okay. Um, and as you've seen on the TV, he said he's going to break my legs, and I said, I'll see you up the tunnel, blah, 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 all the usual stuff that goes on. And the final whistle goes, I runs by him, and he makes a big stramash. He makes, he makes a mountain out of Mohill, and before you know it, people are holding him back, and I'm going off the park, and so on, and, and then I end up getting dragged up the tunnel back to the dressing room. And you know what? That was it. That was more or less everything that happened. I'd never seen him after the game. Um, we were sort of getting bundled back onto the bus and then back to Ibrox and then that was it. But the biggest delight that I got that day was, and it wasn't the official, um, uh, the official uh, to win the nine in a row league, but, but it went a long way yeah. uh, to actually, uh, for me, that was enough satisfaction. Uh, walking out of there, we were heads held high, we won one nil. We've just taken another three points off them, and basically, to me, that was like that was me. Even though it wasn't official, but that was like one in the nine in a row. Oh, that that was the difference between you, that that team, and your team. That. Sure. they've got all that, and you've got the three point. Yeah, and they've got all that, and you've got the trophy. Well, and that was that Rangers team. But he he probably in the game before that we actually played Celtic two weeks in a row where he was dominating the game um, for me we gave him too much time too much respect and too much uh, room for him to play he's too good a player let's be honest De Canio's a good player he can play he can score goals he can set goals up you know on his days he's actually a, a very decent player um, my job that day was to wind him up and that was simple simple I'm not, I can't match with him I can't match him in the, you know, the technical ability but what I could match him was the physical side of it you know, um, and he didn't like it you know, we were in his face, we were grabbing him we were sort of pushing him and, and he just didn't like it so that for me, as soon as I seen that that was like, a, you know, uh, that was like giving the bull the red flag um, and you know, I, I, the rest was history you know, we wound him up, we took him at the game we took him at the equation because I don't think he'd done anything after that and that for me was job done. Three points in the bag, nine in a row. Thank you. See you later, Paolo. Ian Ferguson, folks, nine in a row legend with ten, ten championship medals. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for talking to us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. What a brilliant guy. I wish we had him in the dressing room right now. Uh, oh, what I loved Fergie. Absolutely loved him from the, the minute he signed right right through to the end of his Rangers career. He was just he, he was just a true blue. Simple as. Just a true blue. And, you know, when you meet him, his, his Rangersness just shines out of him. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I want to thank Stuart McCall. 
uh, Robert and Greg Marshall for setting that up for us and uh, it was very much appreciated Loudon Tavern best pub in the world uh, give it your custom if you get the opportunity please uh, now a couple of things to, to just do in our, our housekeeping first of all uh, to let you know that on Saturday uh, as well as there being a minute silence for Ray Wilkins before the game there's also going to be a minute's applause at the start of the second half for Stuart Pedden who sadly died last week who had played Broxy Bear and been in and around the club for many years so that's the first minute of the second half for a minute's applause for Stuart um, the minute silence for Ray Wilkins will take place before before the match now a couple of bits of heart and hand uh, news or announcements I suppose the tickets for the live show with Clint Hill on the 8th of June at the Loudoun Tavern go on sale tomorrow night at 7 o'clock the link will go up on Twitter that's at Ibrox Rocks and on our Facebook page which is just at uh uh, which is just, you know, uh, go and search for uh, Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. Uh, it is at Heart and Hand uh, the Rangers podcast on Facebook, but if you just search for you know, Heart and Hand, up we shall pop. Uh, they will sell out. Uh, that's not me being arrogant. They always do, but you know, they do when it's just us. So you, you fire Clint Hill into that mix, it's going to sell out. So please be quick. Last time they went in under 90 seconds. So uh, just be aware of that. At 7 o'clock on Friday night. You'll be able to get your tickets for the Loudon. They cost £10 each. And uh, a splendid night is guaranteed for all, in the words of uh, John Lennon. Now, uh, if you want more from us, uh, more content, like you like the interview there, uh, there's an interview with Clint Hill on our site. There's tons and tons of stuff. Uh, if you like a little bit different, but all your content to be very Rangersy, go to our Patreon site and you will get at least three, three new shows every single day. And uh, you can subscribe for less if you want to, but uh, for one ninety nine, you will get at least three new shows every single day uh, it's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand if however you just enjoy the two free shows we thank you very very much for continuing to support us in this way i hope you enjoyed the interview with fergie i will be back on monday hopefully talking about a much needed bears victory uh, against dundee this saturday till i talk to you again stay staunch thanks very much bye <laughs> Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.